0: And welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall a podcast, where we discuss entertainment news and review movies, trailers, and TV shows. In today's episode, we will be looking at the Disney Plus TV series, The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter Five: Return of the Mandalorian. My name is Emmett, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, an avid yo-yoer, Ivan.
1: Yeah, I was quite the yo-yoer back in my back in my young, spry days.
0: You I still got all like the, the tricks in the in the bag: the walk, the dog,
1: um,
0: the other one. I-
1: I can walk the dog for sure, but the others, I don't think I can do anymore.
0: No, what about the yo-yo? Uh,
1: oh, oh, we're talking about the yo-yo. Um, I'm kidding, I'm I, c- I can walk a dog with a yo-yo in my pocket. That's wow. Go. Yeah. Got a yo-yo well, in your t- pocket, or are you just happy to see me? I mean, if it's a yo-yo, it's out of shape then, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, <laughs> well... As we segue into our, <laughs> into our standard show for this week. Oh my god, I can't believe we're on chapter five already of this show. Flying by. Flying by, but for some people, I guess it's not fast enough, right? Like I think the pacing is like all over the place on this show, but we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Any news to report in on
1: that well, people keep... are dying to know about? Of course. Given that this is a <laughs> Star Wars centered episode. Um Just two pieces real quick. I thought it was kind of like interesting bits of news here. But um, I think first and foremost, Lucasfilm is apparently abandoning any of the holds that they had on non-original IP. Uh, So intellectual property that they either bought the rights for or, you know, maybe they had a partner a couple years ago or so that wanted to collaborate with them. But um, in particular, I think the biggest um, one that they had was, I think, uh, Children of Blood and Bone. Uh, was a series of books that they were supposed to adapt into a movie, uh, which I I think we heard something about this back in 2009, so it's been like a while since they really had any traction for it, but um, apparently the word on the street or the word on Kathleen Kennedy's desk is they're going to be abandoning any non-original IP just to focus on more Star Wars content along with anything Lucasfilm- exclusive so we're talking like um Indiana Jones um I'm trying to think of what the, I know they did Red Tails and Willow but I'm I, I'm almost kind of I, I feel like George Lucas had one other project that came out of Lucasfilm it's just like not coming to mind at the moment uh but regardless I think it's interesting cuz now that they're under the ownership of Disney um I would have assumed that they would have integrated Lucasfilm into some of the rest of the IP that they had Uh, But it seems like they're really having them focus on the original stuff that they've done uh, over the years.
0: I thought he gave away the rights to this stuff a while ago and just kept the merchandising rights. No.
1: Yeah, no. I think what we're talking about is like Lucasfilm as a studio. Like they had certain rights to other properties that they were developing, but I guess right now the direction of the company is they're pivoting completely to Star Wars and. Uh, and their original IP uh, franchises, and not going to make any commitment to anything outside of that. Mm, okay. So interesting. I just thought it was interesting to interesting of read because you know since they fall under the Disney umbrella now, um, I would have expected Lucasfilm to be loaded with a few more IPs. But um, I kind of like this angle though. Like I feel like it's it's probably in their best interest to just kind of focus on a few projects instead of tackling too much. Um, and then the last bit of news I had, uh, EA Games announced, I believe it was yesterday, um, they announced three new games. Uh, they're scrapping Battlefront 3, so anybody... No! Announce- <laughs> oh my god, I get- yeah, such a loss, of course. Um, I will say, though, if you've played Battlefront 2 the last couple months, I feel like it's gotten significantly better than when it first dropped, but I feel like it's too little too late. You know, like the audience of that kind of dipped out a little bit, so uh yeah so apparently they have a first person shooter uh in the works they have a rpg game coming out and they have a sequel to jedi fallen order and apparently all three of them are uh, in the court of respawn which is the studio behind apex legends so interesting choice i wonder where they're going with all this um
0: give us a br
1: for real (laughs) Honestly, I for those who wish... don't know, BR is Battle Royale, like a Fortnite. Dude, honestly, like I think that that's the route they're probably gonna go, right? Like I feel like everybody's pivoting to that. It would that
0: be place. so much fun, and like there's so many maps that they can incorporate into like one big scale map.
1: The amount of planets that they can make, on yeah, stuff like it could be great.
0: I would love to see them do like a PUBG style map servers where it's like they have four different maps and you queue into one or you queue into a random one and just like god they they could do so much with that game
1: they really can they're doing something kind of team fortress like on the Nintendo Switch i don't know if you've heard about this one but um there's a Nintendo Switch game coming out where it's i think it's essentially like a free for all kind of fight but you're limited to i think like 6 to 12 players or so so it's not the same thing but like i i feel like star wars is like ripe for some of these like big uh, bigger games that kind of catch people's attention. It's just disappointing to see that they're just like kind of dropping the ball.
0: But um, I bet they would do it wrong where they would make it part of the game you have to buy. Like, battle royales have to be free to play if you want it to succeed and get the most amount of players.
1: Yeah, either that or like if you have the season pass kind of thing, like make it affordable. Like, you can't be well, going it, to it, it just people. has that part has to be free.
0: Have like the multiplayer be the stuff that you buy, but like i don't know if you ever played blackout on call of duty their first uh, br it was not that big of a hit like it had such load like slow load times because nobody was queuing in because you had to have bought the the game it's just a flop and like that's why like warzone did so well because they made that one free to play and multiplayer part of the the disc you had to buy so uh, that's a long way off if they're actually even doing it but there's ways to do battle royales right and i think there's enough learning out there that they could do this really well if they wanted to
1: just give it to epic games just
0: honestly you know, they would yeah they would succeed with it
1: i feel like they probably would and i know like recently their uh, the creator um was talking about um uh, him wanting to like set up like a metaverse kind of thing with the fortnite ip but I feel like there's there's so many different routes that they can go on with that. Like, Star Wars would be pretty cool to include in that. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like every time there's a new Star Wars game coming out that 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 gets announced, I'm always kind of hesitant to get hyped over it. Because, you know, with the exception of Fallen Order, the rest of them have kind of fallen short. Of I was going to say, what's, like,
0: your favorite Star Wars game of all the years? Of all time? Um, yeah.
1: I think or like it's still top top couple or something like that. The original Battlefront Two is still the one that I you know, yeah
0: I dust off my one.
1: laptop to play that thing. So. <laughs> I
0: I was I was in a guild. I was grinding that game so much, man. You ever
1: play uh, Star Wars Galaxies? Also, no. That was like an RPG. Oh, is that like the, the Age of Mythology type? Almost no. So no, no. So it's not a um. It's not an RTS kind of game because I think have that was. They one for Star Wars like that. They did. They had. Uh... I'm trying to remember the name. I think it was. I was gonna say it's Age of Empire. No, it's not. <laughs> oh my gosh! It, this is gonna, uh, this is gonna bother me. I know, like Empire think... at War. Empire at War. That's what it is. I actually have it on my Mac too. The original. I kind of want to get this and see if anyone's on there. <laughs> I haven't played it online, but it, it's fun. It's just, it's got the limit, like, the unit limitation and all that, but, like,
0: you know. Mm, okay.
1: Yeah. But, did, on on that note, though, it'd be great if somebody could pick that up, because I feel like a Star Wars <sighs> RTS there's would just, be amazing.
0: There's just so many versions of games that Star Wars would be perfect for.
1: Just get us one decent one. Like, that's, that's all. Well, what's you yours, what, though?
0: You know what the best one I loved was, as a kid, was the Star Wars Pod Racing.
1: Oh, the... The one from uh, Phantom Menace.
0: Yeah, 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 episode one. Phantom oh Menace, no. Podracer, 1999. That thing was <laughs> perfect because you could just pick your racer, your your driver, then you could start modding out your your pod. Um, uh, probably why I got into this pod. <laughs>
1: Honestly, there was a sale a few weeks ago on the, on the Nintendo store, and I, I ended up buying it for $4, because uh, I didn't realize they released that <laughs> along with uh, Jedi Academy on the Switch. Wait, you yeah, can not, get that on the Switch? Yeah, you can buy it on the Switch. Ooh, I might they got Jedi get the Academy... Switch? They just released, uh, or not just for me, because I just discovered it, but (laughs) uh, Knights of the Old Republic, the original, um, is on there as well, and so I'm, like, really excited to get to play these games again, because it's been so long. Uh, Should I be
0: getting a Switch?
1: Honestly, I feel like it's a worthwhile investment for some of, like, the older stuff that they have. Like, you can, Nintendo's doing some really cool things with it, so.
0: I I would would love to, like, uh, play Duos Fortnite with myself. And get the Switch lobbies <laughs> and just let that person die, and then just—that's <laughs> gaming the system. Yeah,
1: I gotta—I I gotta say, I, I find it is significantly easier to get through the Switch lobby versus when I hop on the PS4.
0: It really is. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Boba episode. <laughs> uh, yes. Speaking of pod racing, let's get into this one.
1: <laughs> oh my God!
0: <laughs> you want to go first on your general thoughts sure. on, on the episode?
1: yeah so my first thought on this was like are we pivoting to mando season three like is <laughs> what's going on because like this entire uh the first i think 10 or 15 minutes went by and it wasn't until then that i realized i'm like wait a minute am i watching the right show like the, you know the, this kind of hit the ground running quite a bit
0: i actually paused and was like did i re up mandalorian yeah. and i forget
1: what happened in the past season <laughs> this was the best way to segue into mando season three and it and it brings some certain thoughts into my head that we can get into in the spoiler section but you know to kind of sum up my thoughts here like i, I for me i think this is the best episode since episode two of this uh series um sad of that because of certain elements that we can get into uh, after this but Ah, uh, this show also kind of or the show this ah uh, this particular episode also made me realize just how iconic Din Djarin has become as a Star Wars character in general, because uh, I kind of you know it was really great to to see him again. Um, and I got a little bit of a reaction from myself that I normally would reserve for like characters that have been tried and tested at this point, but like some that I'm, that I'm like pleased. oh like...
0: it's a family show. You can't talk about that.
1: <laughs> not those types of feelings but oh. i mean
0: <laughs> that's for that's for our other pod <laughs> that's for the late night yeah all right uh no i agree with you i i actually like i said had to hit pause and be like am i actually in boba fett's show um i feel like that's not a spoiler because this is like not a kept secret uh, at all um but this is the episode i've been waiting for right like this is an improvement on the length of episode I loved like the recognizable fanfare and nostalgia that they played off of, like all the um, the language they use, like all the in the script, uh, the actual like ships and uh, you know other props that they bring onto the onto the set. And I feel like the story was progressing. However, I don't know if it was like our story that was progressing. Like it seems like the producers and like the, the directors of Book of Boba are so like single track minded where they can only focus on one thing at a time and that's kind of frustrating because shows like game of thrones would have like seven different plots going on in any single episode and it's weird that like this show can't handle more than one
1: that is funny that you say that cuz i feel like it's it definitely is um a little jarring that we'll get shows you know, and i'm trying to think like budget wise but i feel like it it is comparable to game of thrones just because they have a similar budget if not this might actually have a bigger budget than uh than that series well just like in the
0: amount of like cgi that they're putting into it like that's definitely where their budget's going but it's just like they had an episode that focused entirely on the past and they have an episode that focuses like entirely on the present and then they go with this route of this episode like can you vote fo- uh, can you blend in the things so that they're happening all alongside each other. And then eventually at the end of the season, it all comes together and you're like, Oh, okay. I see how they're going to meet up here.
1: I'm hoping that that's the route that they go in as they flesh out this subsection of star Wars a little bit more, right? Because I feel like um, if nothing else, this episode proves that they're treating this entire like Disney plus star Wars universe as one singular story. Cause Otherwise, why interrupt the flow of Book of Boba Fett to tell him like a null episode on Mando, you know, like and, and so I do hope that they get to the point that you're referring to, like where we can balance out like, oh, here's a scene with Boba. And then now here's the scene with Mando and let's see what's, you know, well, let's check in on Ahsoka, who's in another planet. <laughs> I would love for them to get to
0: that point, but I don't see that like all evidence points to the contrary.
1: I do feel like this is all kind of built, going to build up to something where, and this is my hope, I guess, because I don't know this for sure, but they've mentioned that they want to build up to one singular event for all these shows. I hope they do it through a movie, because I feel like that will be the like That'd a be so impactful, movie. Yeah. And then you if can you... actually make justice for a lot of these stuff, too.
0: Yeah, but it would have to be done in a way that like you didn't have to watch all the shows to appreciate it, which is going to be really tricky to do.
1: It will be, especially now, because I feel like up until now, if somebody wanted was watching like, and we kind of talked about this when you were watching Defenders, but oh, it's not Daredevil. But if you watch all of Daredevil, skip Defenders, and then get to season three, it's kind of easily explainable. Um, This kind of feels like essential watching if you just want to stick to Mandalorian too. Whereas like you could have like skipped the rest of the episodes for Book of Boba, but now this this is definitely <laughs> something you can't skip.
0: Yeah, I um and the the only other thing I would want to talk about before we get into uh, plot and scenes is some of the critiques that are coming out on today like in Twitter is really unfair to be like all the fans are just dropping Boba to pick up Mando because like that's their favorite character or like this just proves that Boba's not as good. It's like no no no. It's not that Boba Fett is a inferior character to Din Djarin. It's that he's got less of an intriguing plot line. That when Mandalorian shows up, obviously things are going to get more exciting. Especially that the way that they introduced him and the plot that they gave him to act on. So it, it seems unfair, some of the critiques that Boba Fett's getting on the reaction to this episode
1: i'm a little over the star wars fandom to be honest with you because i feel like it's such an over-exaggerated like privileged. i know but it's like such a very privileged response sometimes to, to these things and i'm like All right, i get it but also like some of the complaints i've seen for the show have been ridiculous um i i do agree that the show could have been better paced i feel like the story is not as interesting as mando right and I think that's what it comes down to. Like you said, like we're more invested in Dinjarin's story, not so much because we think it's a better story, but it's like the 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 stakes were a lot higher with him. That when you revisit, of course, you're going to be you know more amped up for that. Just because you can't, we were left waiting for season three of Mando, we have to wait a whole other year for that now. Uh, but then here we get a taste of it again. Of course, you're gonna get hyped. You know, like,
0: well, and and this episode breaks the mold of like how much action are they willing to put into an episode. So far, it's been like one action sequence. This one had like probably like three notable ones.
1: And some some of the most brutal combat I've seen <laughs> out of any Star Wars <laughs> project.
0: Yeah. Uh, so let let's actually do that. Let's get into some scenes and character discussion.
1: Were you excited to see our favorite character, um, Peli Moto, back again?
0: I can do without her, but she was <laughs> actually like in better form this episode than she was in The Mandalorian.
1: Yeah, I, I found her humor kind of like uh, tolerable this time, where I feel like I, they kind of went I, over the place. I
0: think before. they toned it down a bit and just made her more conversational than, like, trying to act goofy, you know?
1: they just better not pair her up with another goofy character. Cause then that's when I feel like it goes into charge R. territory. <laughs>
0: yeah, it will get a little too slapstick. I can see that happening. Um, but obviously, so this, this episode, like you're referring or alluding to it was that it starts off with, um, uh, Din Djarin completing a bounty. That's like pretty vicious in attacking. Like this is not the same, you know, peaceful bounty hunter that we saw in his seasons.
1: Yeah, well, he has no baby attached to him now, so I feel like he can go ham on anybody he wants without any um, second thought here.
0: Yeah, honestly, it seems like he's got to work through some stuff. Uh, <laughs> just some, like, separation issues.
1: That's the single dad life, man.
0: <laughs> you, do you know, or...?
1: <laughs> ah, potentially.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, okay. <laughs> but that's a reveal for another pod. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think... Um, the the opening sequence I thought was really really cool and I think you alluded to it before you mentioned it before but like I had to you know do a little bit of a double take and I'm like am I watching the right show because we start off I guess essentially at like at a, a butcher shop right like a Star Wars butcher shop
0: <laughs> I thought Rocky was about to come out of there
1: yeah you know, for real this is but it was really cool to kind of see it because like it it felt very Star Wars-y without you know obviously with the I, I want to know what they were cutting up first of because like what's the star wars equivalent of chicken? Well, it looked like beef. Well, yeah, but like, you know, what do they eat?
0: <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's not so important. I don't, I don't know if it was like a great like humanization of into Star Wars. Like there like uh what was that thing I I saw for Mandalorian like nobody has ever had uh glasses because George Lucas wanted like everyone in Star Wars to be um Not healthy, but like advanced enough that they wouldn't need that tech. So, like, that's why that Dr. Perishing having glasses was a big deal. Like, I don't want to see someone being a butcher in Star Wars.
1: I do. I I just want a whole Disney Plus show
0: about the butchers (laughs) of Star Wars. It's it's just a job that seems beneath them.
1: I guess it does, but you would think that there's droids doing that job. Right. Because it's such a sophisticated world. Um, but anyway, getting a little bit, um, off topic here, but like, in terms of like, uh, I I guess he was there to, to hunt down this, uh, bounty, which that was such a smooth little like callback to the first episode of Mando season one. The, I can bring you in warmer. I can bring you in cold line that he delivers to him. Makes me
0: wonder if they actually got, uh, if they just like reuse some lines,
1: probably I mean, like on booth time. He had no FaceTime on this uh, on this right. episode. Right. I think I mentioned it last week. I was like, it'd be easy for them to get Mando in because you don't even need Petro Pascal. You can just like ask the exactly. ADR stuff off you know after the fact. Yep, uh, which I guess is what they did here. But like once he drew out the um, the dark I was a little surprised that they went right on for the dark combat stuff um, this quickly. Yeah,
0: I like that. I like where they're going with that. Where it- He's willing to accept that role and willing to use it, but he also is like out of his depth with using it. Whereas he's like a guy who can master any weapon easily. But this is like a little bit different because it seems to have it seems to be like a relationship between the saber and the the wielder. like you have to be willing to like succumb to its power and and work with it and not have it work for you.
1: Yeah, there's some mysticism to the lightsaber that I, elements that we saw, I think, in Rebels, right? Because I feel like um, this the arc where Sabine gets the uh, dark saber, she also had that kind of issue where she complained about it being a little heavy. Um,
0: I don't remember her complaining about it being heavy, but just that like it's a different style of fighting than they're used to. I'm sure there was a, a line in there somewhere, and there was just so many episodes that it's hard to retain all that if you're not you. <laughs> um but no i i like that and i like that he went back to find the watch um and he was actually able to find a couple survivors and that he can actually start training with the dark saber and learn a little bit more about the mandalorian culture
1: too bad he got exiled from his <laughs> from his clan pretty quickly. yeah they Junked dropped him too- i know for real um that was really cool too also was that John Favreau voicing him this time or I think so yeah because I his voice just sounded distinctly different it, like it with uh when he voiced Pre and when he voiced the same character in season one I feel like it was distinctly John Favreau like uh you know right off the bat you can ident- identify it as John Favreau no like, I, I don't think I
0: picked up on it being Favreau in either of those until the credits rolled Well, no, in in Clone Wars, yeah, you could tell it was more him, pre-Vizsla, but you could, I I, I think he kind of threw his voice around a little bit for Mandalorian.
1: They definitely added, you know, a few little, like, undertones and a bit more static in that voice just to kind of replicate that helmet thing, but it was heavier on his than it is on Mando, just to deliberately kind of throw you off a little bit there, but it sounded a little different to me. I don't know. I got to go back and look at the credits here, but. It was cool to get to see them. I thought that character was killed off. I could have sworn his helmet was in those. Uh, yeah, so did I. But the, the, the one I was uh, most excited to see again is uh, Emily Swallow's character, uh, the armorer. I feel like mm-hmm. she has such a distinctive voice. Um, It's it's another one of those things. I think she's a great actress, but um, I was so sad that she wasn't included in a season two. So I was really, really happy that they got back to that element here.
0: Yeah, she had some very memorable scenes in season one of Mandalorian. Just like, as our as the one who can educate the audience on who is who and why do they do what they do, um, without it being like a dumbed down version. Because I feel like we got some, you know, visualizations, some some descriptions about what actually happened on Mandalore, uh, that we that we didn't get those same pieces from like all the other canon.
1: Yeah, she gave us a really cool little quick rundown of the... Was it the Night of a Thousand Tears? I think is what she yeah. called it. Uh, which is basically the bombardment of Mandalore, the destruction of the planet. Um, T2 style, right? Like, it gave me such heavy Terminator 2 vibes there.
0: <laughs> well, they had the same looking droids, like, wiping out the planet's surface, yeah. Yeah, the K2SO droids. Yeah, and, like, that's what I mean. Like, you can give us... A history lesson that would be beneficial for everybody and it doesn't have to seem like you're only speaking to the audience that doesn't know what's going on
1: they gave us like the right amount of exposition and then they actually showed enough of it to to give it that little haunting feeling right um i do hope we get you know we probably are going to get more exploration of like the uh you know the mandalorian purge and all that but um it was great to see her uh you know kind of interact and find out about what then has been up to i was under the impression that he has been there before before this scene but i'm also kind of mixed on that cuz she has him repeat the creed um after his little fight with paz Vizla, but and he no, also introduces this is his to first her.
0: this is his first time there because he did that initial bounty uh pretending like he was doing it for the guild but then he uh, went to that fancy dinner to find out information about where like i think he knew about whereabouts the uh the watch would be hiding the remaining watch members would be hiding but he didn't know how to get there so they told Uh him like go to the heat vent uh and then he flipped on his like thermal vision and found the path there
1: got it okay i see i kind of missed that detail then because i I was under the impression that like he's been doing bounties in this circular halo looking ring thing um, really cool planet
0: i mean it's kind of straight out of what was that movie matt damon's movie elysium or something elysium yeah <laughs> <laughs> kind of right out of that one but cool idea for a planet
1: it's also kind of reminds me of uh, didn't we see something like this on on rogue one i think uh the planet where diego luna's character meets up with No, the, that was on it? a
0: asteroid Okay. It was like a city built between two asteroids and it like fused them together or something like that.
1: Yeah, it looked like the city from uh Cato Nemodia, the that planet where Plo Kuin gets his uh, starfighter destroyed in Revenge of the Sith and that Order 66 scene. Um, it looked like that just cuz like it's a whole city built on a ring. But that that was cool. Uh, you know, rest in peace to the Beskar um spear. I know,
0: can't forge it into a weapon. Who who, who the heck forged it first?
1: That's a big question. Answered on the <laughs> Ahsoka series. Stay tuned. <laughs> I'm assuming, I don't know. Um, it was really cool, though, to see uh, the process in which they go about melting down Baskar. Because, we, we, you know, I don't think we got enough of it in Season 1. But how hot does it have to burn to really get to that point? She I could it. tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's the secrets. Um no but that, that was cool. And I i can't uh was it chainmail that I guess was uh yeah. was made for Grogu? Or she's just
0: making like a dope necklace. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I either works, I guess. It'd be really cool to see a Grogu in like little deck that in little Beskar armor.
0: Yeah, i I think it would be really cool.
1: What did you think of this challenge, though, with uh, Paz uh, Vizsla challenging Mando for the Darksaber?
0: It kind of feels unearned. Uh, you're picking on a guy who just displayed that he hasn't learned how to fight with it yet. And also, you're not really in a place to, like, turn away members or to try and kill members. Like, True. What You want to eliminate a third of the population that remains for the watch like no you need all hands on deck you can't be
1: fighting within your ranks right now i think it wasn't in the show it was like in supplemental material that we find out that his name was paz Vizla. so the moment that you know the, the camera kind of focused on amando no, he said it in this shelter. episode no no yeah but i mean like prior to this we had known from other uh, outside of the show's sources oh yeah yeah okay Uh, But once you saw that hilt and the camera kind of like focused on him, I was like, oh, damn, this guy (laughs) Um, just because of that last name. Right. So Pre Vizla had that sword um, prior to the end of the Clone Wars. Uh, So I I knew there was a challenge coming. I just didn't think he was going to pop out that challenge that quickly. Uh, But then again, this is the same guy that attacked uh, Mando in season one. Right.
0: Yeah, he's kind of a hothead.
1: Yeah, I kind of, I I like his suit design and all that. I hope he he gets to live, but I'm also like I, I'm I'm left wondering if there's still some animosity there because of his uh loss here.
0: I have a feeling they won't really see each other again. Um, but I do like that when he picked up the sword as well, uh, in the you know the scuffle of the fight. I like that he also struggled with it. And kind of also like would have realized like oh this is harder than it looks like you can't just like pick it up and have it bend to your um, to your will.
1: Yeah, you have to be an extension of the sword, one with the sword, at peace with the sword, or something like that. I don't know. I feel like that's the route we're going. (laughs) I do want to see him
0: learn it. I don't know who's going to teach him. Is it going to be Luke Skywalker,
1: perhaps? I would think it's Luke, either Luke or we're going to have Sabine teach him. Because just because she kind of learned a little bit in, um, in in, in Rebels there, right? Because she, Do you think Tucker we're getting
0: a live action Sabine.
1: She's been cast already for the Ahsoka show.
0: Do you think we're getting a live action Sabine in this? You didn't let me finish. Oh, because <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. I didn't. I, I knew that she was casted.
1: I don't think we'll see that. Um detail i guess fleshed out here uh but i i, I do i i would think it's luke just because it sounds like we're getting another mando-centric episode next week that's
0: what i'm wondering like are we abandoning boba for a whole nother episode so that the reunion can happen because like probably i, I don't want to like skip ahead to the end here but let's do it <laughs> like uh, boba gets recruited by fennec or not but mando gets recruited by fennec to help boba and he accepts it to do it for free, but he has to go to do one more mission first. Like, are we about to get a whole other Mando? Like, I thought that would be more of like a let's lead it into his own season uh, at the end of twenty one,
1: twenty two. I don't know. I mean, like, I would think that we'd get back to Boba next week, and then maybe he goes and meets Grogu off screen, and then we won't see Mando until the finale, right? But. It it seems to me like the logical thing to do here is to get another Mando-centric episode. Uh, in which case, look, I'm perfectly fine with it, but I also feel happy, like happy. I, I do have to just kind of point out, like, this is called the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, he's got to show up. This would mean, like, I, I guess a quarter of a show he wouldn't show up for the episodes.
0: Yeah, and that's what's so weird is, like, they can't balance it a little bit. Um I saw somebody perfectly fit that uh Green Goblin scene about starting the company. Oh, and... <laughs> you
1: can't do this to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> people
1: <laughs> people saying that it's better than without Boba Fett. Jeez. Yeah,
0: it's pretty perfect.
1: I, I wouldn't mind either way, because I feel like regardless of how I feel about this particular series or like, you know, any complaints I may have, I feel like the ending is gonna satisfy me. Like I trust Faber and Filoni enough for me to feel like this show's gonna be you know worthwhile. Hell, this uh or heck heck <laughs> heck this episode alone makes the season worthwhile, right? For anybody who's been complaining about this show, I feel like this kind of gives you what you have. I've personally been enjoying most of this. I've had my little you know criticisms of the show, but um either way, it feels like all these shows are going to be telling one giant story, similar to like the the MCU kind of building up to Avengers. So i don't mind yeah i I mean i'm totally
0: fine with it too i feel like this is like a tv dinner frozen box right like this is like each episode is in their own compartments but it all works together right like i'm sure boba even if by hungry man
1: (laughs) frozen dinners (laughs) um regardless of whether we get a season two of this show boba's gonna show up in other projects this isn't like the last time we're gonna see boba nor do i think we're going to see him killed off or anything at the end of the se- the series or season depending on how we go right but um i like the cohesion i i like the way that we're integrating everything in together um so i don't mind it but i i do kind of get annoyed by people's complaints online because i feel like sometimes those complaints seem to be very like minor and dumb right like just a couple years ago people were complaining about the the sequel trilogy, endlessly. And some of the stuff that they would complain about was valid. But it a does. good portion, the louder stuff, was really dumb. It was really ridiculously <laughs> dumb. And I just, you know, people were complaining about Luke being too, you know, whatever, take your pick. Um, I think that there were some issues there. and But that's the thing about the Star Wars fandom. I feel like the loudest people in the room are sadly the ones that people pay more attention to. Um, and they tend to be the people that will complain about anything or the same ones that kind of like, I guess, you know, bullied Hayden Christensen and Jake Lloyd off of careers um, when the prequels came out. And then they're
0: out. the same people that cheer when they hear he's coming back for Obi-Wan series.
1: Right, because then they're like, oh, well, he's he's not Ray. He's, right, you know, he's right. better than Ray." And I'm like, yo, like, there's valid criticism. And then there's just people... Taking grievance over the most minor things, and I'm just you know I'm over that. Yeah,
0: uh, let's move on with the episode. The only other thing we haven't talked about is the Tatooine sequence. Yeah, I loved this whole sequence. I don't care I, what anybody says. I don't care what you have to say, Ivan, that you <laughs> hated it.
1: <laughs> I I'll just say I thought honestly as soon as he landed on on, on Tatooine, I thought I thought it was Tatooine.
0: over. <laughs> Tatooine. <laughs> no, played that.
1: Okay. I, I, th- I thought it was over. Cause just cause you know how like the inconsistency... That was the end of, end of like, the episode. I, yeah, I thought that was the end of the episode. Yeah, like I, <laughs> right? Cause like sometimes it'll be no, thirty minutes. No, I knew it was fifty minutes, and I knew that we still had twenty minutes left. Yeah, but I, I don't, I don't trust. I'm a numbers sometimes. guy. I'll look at it, and I'm like, oh, clearly we have twenty minutes of credits. Then, I was glad I was wrong on that, just cause I, I in this particular episode, I didn't check the the uh, the timestamps just to kind of see where we are, but I, I thought. That was all we were going to get, so I was happy to see like what was it, fifteen minutes of, of content on Tatooine.
0: Yeah, it felt it felt like half the episode, but it, time wise it wasn't, uh, which is really cool to see that they're able to, um, get a lot out of the the short amount of time. So that's a good indication. Uh, this one was back to Dallas Bryce Howard, right?
1: Yeah, which every episode she's directed for Mandalorian and now this show,
0: like home didn't... run
1: it's chef's kiss you know like it's it's perfect like okay Adam. i want to see her back again <laughs> give her her own series
0: she she would handle it pretty well i would love to see her do something with ahsoka
1: i, w- I would love that too like i hope i hope they are utilizing her to direct some of those because um it'd be, it'd be pretty cool to 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 see what she's able to do with that character too
0: weren't they only giving her like the water episodes too <laughs> so like, now they give her the driest planet. The, tour, another man. type of desert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, that is true. Um, but no, I loved. Uh, yeah, we did get Pelly. Was it Pelimoto? Yep. Peloton. Uh We got her back. She was a little less annoying. Uh, but she had it. Like, a, I'm thrilled that they brought out the Naboo Starfighter. That
1: was. Quite a bit of a cut there because uh, I it took me a minute to realize what you had there. Because I thought it was, was going to be the out. pod racer, I thought so too, which made no sense. <laughs> it's like a cool callback to Phantom Menace since, like, I think the entry episode of um, Mando season two, you had uh, the, the Marshall ride around Anakin's pod racer engine. I feel like this is the biggest callback to Phantom Menace since that point.
0: Well, there's a lot of, like, yeah, Phantom Menace callbacks. I mean, you get him when he actually gets it restored and he starts flying it through uh, Bagger's Canyon. It's, like, the same path that the pod racing happened on. Um, He throws out some of the dialogue, like Wizard and, like, all that stuff like that. Uh, So it's great fanfare for nostalgia's sake.
1: He just... the only thing that was missing was he should have done the spinning trick and then said, I'll try spinning, that's a good trick. That would have been a great thing. I mean, he did
0: do a lot of barrel rolls, but he just didn't comment on doing it. <laughs> I love
1: that he used the word wizard to describe his experience, though.
0: Was it any? <laughs> uh, what about the run-in with the X-Wing police?
1: This is the second time, or the third time, we see um what the, the captain or the lieutenant, I, I haven't caught his name, Um. All I know is he's the same actor who plays um, the the dad in Kim's Convenience. Uh, you should check that show out on Netflix. It's funny. Um, but he, w- you know, we we we've seen him before. the 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 guy, the other guy, the younger X Wing pilot. I don't think we've seen that guy before.
0: Yeah, he's got a lot to learn. He's a real greenhorn.
1: <laughs> That's actually the uh, stunt, not the stunt double, the stand-in for Luke from the end of uh, season two. Oh, really? Yeah, um, I think he I was on like, I think I was on Facebook and they, somebody like called it out that the actor had apparently shared it on Instagram or something.
0: That, I guess he was on set that day and they're like, all right, you, you'll do.
1: Yeah, well, it caught a lot of other people speculating. They're like, wait, well, if he's on set, that must have mean, you
0: know, he filmed a Luke scene.
1: <laughs> yeah, which it could be. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. But. We're not gonna get into that (laughs) aisle of speculation there. I I thought it was funny. I thought the
0: have we ever heard of like a sub light speed speed? I don't know what I forgot what he called it, but
1: um yes, but not in the not in not in not on screen canon, I guess. Uh for anybody who's read like the books and all that, like there's a lot of those that get like very technical. And some of those terms I remember hearing from, you know, not hearing, I guess, but reading in some of the classic Star Wars novels and stuff. But that's a deep cut for the, for for that type of you know Star Wars fan. Um, according to some of the, you know, one of my friends was telling me that uh, they were like they actually really stuck close to a lot of that expanded universe. Uh, lore and terms for it i you know as as much <laughs> as i like to learn about you know or just stuff my brain with star wars knowledge i don't think i could ever go into like the technicality of technical pieces of star fighters of a fictional thing um i don't think i can go that level of nerd um but apparently they, that's where they kind of pulled it from
0: that's cool then i mean it worked out on the screen it looked really cool to uh to see
1: yeah, it was great to see, like, all the, you know, especially building up that um, Nabu fighter to, to work in condition. Now, here's the th-
0: question, though. Yeah. Um, are they going to, like, parallel what happened in Mandalorian Season 2, I think it was, when he totally decked out the uh, Razor Crest and then immediately had it destroyed, like, the next episode? <laughs> like, is he, like, did we just spend a whole episode decking out this Naboo starfighter? Which has gun cannons on it too. I don't know if you saw that on the front of it.
1: I did, yeah.
0: (laughs) But uh, it's—is it gonna last?
1: I don't think it will.
0: Um, I think he's like destined to end up with uh, the ship that must not be named of Boba Fett's.
1: Oh, (laughs) Um, I don't know, man. I, I, um. I don't know. I, I did tell you this, but like the, the the toy company that has the license for Star Wars stuff, Hasbro, they did this like crowdfunding thing to make a Razor Crest, um, <laughs> like model, I guess. And I, <laughs> they were doing it. I think in the middle of season two of Mando uh, last year, um, and I partook in it. So like I, 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 you know, I put in my money for a Razor Crest, and in the week right after the um the crowdfunding thing closed the episode where the razor cost bl- blows up aired <laughs> and so everybody in this group that was like a part of like having helped to to bring that thing to you know to actually get made they were like oh man like <laughs> i still want that <laughs> <laughs> it's it's scheduled to ship soon so <laughs> I, I don't i i do think that um it's an odd choice to give him a starfighter um, instead of replacing it with a full-on ship, because I feel like from a from a merchandising standpoint, they'd probably better off giving him a better ship. I honestly, I thought they were going to go with like Boba giving him um, his starship.
0: I think I think two things here, right? Uh, one, it is set up where if Mando refuses payment, it seems like Boba will be like, "Well, at least take my starship," type of thing. Uh, for whatever happens next. But the second thing is, did you notice uh, it was like a really quick piece of dialogue about the uh, like the, R4 slot or whatever the droid slot is in that ship?
1: Oh, uh, she, the like, Astromech She gutted
0: slot. that out. The Astromech yeah. slot. She gutted that out. It's like the exact head size for Grogu.
1: That would be so adorable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if he had Grogu's in the backseat. Yeah. <laughs> It's, that was, it's the first thing i thought of it's a little bubble like headspace
1: spot that would be pretty cute and it would make for a lot of merchandising opportunity that's what i'm thinking yeah i that'd be cool i mean like i i do hope that he sticks to one ship i guess until i don't know like I, i'm kind of torn on it i i would I would think that if he's going on the like f- for the long run, if, if grogu's gonna be with him, I feel like the bigger living space situation will probably be better, right? But um from a from a like narrative perspective, the Starfighter seems pretty cool and like exactly reflective of his current situation where he is able to kind of take more risk without grogu. Uh, but now that you bring up that, I'm wondering, are are we going to see grogu next week? Yeah, I think we're good to get into
0: predictions here, because um, we talked about Fennec trying to recruit Mando uh, at the end of this episode, so the way that Mando leaves it off...
1: One but, thing, before we move on, the fact yeah. that Mando's doing this, this job for Boba for free, it means that they're, they're boys now, you know? They're like, you know, he's doing him a solid. Boba kind of went out of his way last season, right?
0: Yeah, you don't really keep a tab on your friend, you just know, like you get each other back at some time.
1: Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, look at them. Mando best (laughs) friends, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, just wanted to point that out.
0: But yeah, so he does say that like, I will help him out, but I got to go, uh, see a small friend first, which is obviously talking about giving that gift to Grogu, which I don't know if you saw the still frames of that package, but how it's like exactly Grogu's head shape.
1: Yeah. She definitely did that on purpose.
0: Mm hmm. Uh, I mean, I I kind of think uh, I agree with what you were saying before, where I think we're abandoning the Boba Fett storyline for one more episode to let Mando go see Grogu, uh, maybe learn about the Darksaber some more, like how to wield it, and then return to Boba at the end of that, and then they're ready for their war. But like, that's not enough time to set up the fight with the pikes, to set up a fight and conclude it in one episode.
1: Yeah, I, I'm worried about how this show's going to end uh, this season, and I'm also like, if if this is it, and we're only going to get one season, because th- they were describing this as a limited series, which makes me believe it's just a one season show. Um, if it's a one season show, we're not doing Boba Fett justice in that regard. No, um, not really. Yeah, yeah. He he needed more uh, focus on on the story because he spent basically like. You know, not to put in, like, a anime reference here, but, like, have you ever seen Dragon Ball Z? It's the same thing. Like, the main character takes, you know, what, half a season to heal up before Spoilers. he's actually able. <laughs> but that's how it is. You know, Boba just got off of the finished his back-to-tank sessions. Now he's got his eyebrows back <laughs> and he's fully healed. And we cut away to Mando, which, again, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, like, I feel like we do need more time with Bobo, and, and, in which case we should have gotten an additional episode for this season.
0: Yeah, I'm not complaining either, but if they do it a second episode in a, like, two in a week, uh, two back-to-back, then it's, like, then it is something worth complaining about, because it's, like, this isn't the book of Boba Fett, this is the book of Mandalorians.
1: This is the chapter of Boba Fett.
0: (laughs) Right, like, the flashback stuff was awesome, that's great character development, and and building in, and, like, filling in some of the cracks there, but if you're also trying to tell the story of, like, him... Uh, you know, taking over Jabba's rule and also trying to like fight off a war with the Pikes, you haven't given yourself enough
1: time to do that. You know what I had heard originally. Um, and I think I think it's safe to to kind this. But like, so so some people from the industry were saying that um, the original plan for this show and the reason why they kept calling it a limited series is that the numbering of chapters from Mandalorian to to Book of Boba wasn't going to change. So we left up, what was it, chapter 13 or something in the last, in Mando? Okay. Uh, no, sorry, it was 16. Uh, the, the first episode of Book of Boba would have been chapter 17. So they were basically um, treating it the way that they treat, um, like, production Bibles. This is what they call, like, how you plan out your your stories. Don't
0: get, don't get religious on this pod.
1: <laughs> no, but it would have been, like, the Mandalorian but here's like a, a couple of chapters of Boba Fett. And then we get back to the Mandalorian. So this all all of this would have been the Mandalorian, the book that's, of Job, the book of Bob. Yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> that that was the conceptual idea behind it. But apparently they switched it last minute because Lucasfilm wanted to see if people wow. were interested enough to actually have Boba have his own show for the long run. Um, and I feel like they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit if that's the way that they wanted to do it. And then just kind of pivoted after because. If we would have just seen, like, the numbering of episodes continue, I feel like people would be a lot more accepting of this and kind of understanding that, you know, we're looking at Boba for a few episodes, but we're definitely pivoting back to Mando at some point. Yeah, I think it's just that the
0: series is called Book of Boba Fett, and you're expecting just to focus on that. Just like how the Mandalorian focused only on um, Din Djarin, like, it's just the expectations not being met. Uh, and right. it's not that it's, like, not being met in a bad way because this is a high-quality episode and this is uh, a high-quality series. It's just that you're expecting it to go one way and it goes kind of a 90-degree turn from that.
1: Right. Regardless, though, I'm excited where this is going to go. Um, I hope that we get a little bit of Boba Fett sprinkled in if even if we focus in on, on Din Djarin exclusively, right, the next episode. Like, give us 10 minutes of Boba and I think that'll balance the things out a little bit better. Um, not or that it's like, going to fix everything, but
0: yeah, or like s- split it. You don't even have to have Boba in there. You could split it between, uh, going to see Grogu and then like Fennec going to recruit more people. And then the final episode is like uh, assembling for the, for the war, for the fight.
1: Yeah. And then end credit scene of the finale is Gina Carano showing back up on set. After Stealing. she's uncancelled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sheriff, Sheriff Gina. <laughs> but yeah I, I honestly like i feel like there's a lot more that we can go into here but um you know th- 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 there's just i feel like i could go on there's a lot of easter eggs in this uh particular episode but that's the kind of thing that we you know i was a lot more used to with mandalorian um i'm excited this gets me hyped up for season three of mandalorian but also like i you know taking a little bit of break from the boba uh stuff makes me kind of excited to go back into it too cuz I'm hoping that this is kind of like a you know a l- little bit of a refresher and we're you know we're back into hitting the ground running with Boba uh when we see him again.
0: Yeah, that is a great point that like the Mandalorian show was like really good at dropping little easter egg things in there which felt um re- like not rewarding but like very smart on how they did it. Whereas like if you see easter eggs from the like, Boba Fett's storyline it's like I kind of expected to see that you're in Jabba Hut's palace. Like, I, I would expect to see the Rancor pit. I would expect to see like certain things, right? Uh, so it's much harder to like keep changing the setting and still work in Easter eggs. And I think that's what the cool thing was about Mandalorian, what they were able to achieve.
1: It is. I mean, I complained about the Vespa-looking speeder bikes right from a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Um, bringing back the the N one starfighter, the Naboo starfighter here, and repurposing it to make it look, you know, obviously it looks like it's, you know, it's been through, it's been through hell and back, but it's also like gotten a whole bunch of little upgrades and all that. Like that's the type of stuff I love to see, because it also further um, feels like very lived in, just like the original trilogy seemed. And it matches that era, and that's what Mandalorian did so well. Um, that I think Book of Boba, while bringing us a lot of familiar stuff, kind of misses the mark on a few of those things. Um, it's that world building aspect I think that w- w- goes a long way for it. So it's always really great to see that.
0: Yeah, I think we're both really pleased with it. So why don't we uh, why don't we cut it off here? Uh, we'll be back next week with the episode six review. Thanks for listening.